Welcome to episode 47 of the Opinion Overload podcast. This week, I'm going alone. Uh, Sam is still in Ensenada getting the second to last or last of his PRP injections in his ankle. I'm not going to do a uh, edited intro for this because I don't really feel like I'm going to need it. Uh, I'm just going to do two short episodes this week, probably 15 to 20 minutes, just kind of going over stuff I want to talk about. Um, Yesterday... Today is, hang on, let me check my phone here for the date, April 15th. Yesterday, I was at my first no-gi jiu-jitsu competition where I got promptly dismantled by another competitor from my same gym, but in a different, there's three uh, 10th Planets in San Diego, four now. He was at a different location, and yeah, I definitely got fucked, but there's not much you can do about that besides train more and show up to another competition I mean what are you going to do I didn't post up anything to talk about this week on the podcast for Instagram any polls or anything because I forgot to and so did Sam but we're considering starting to pick up um like unsolved mysteries. Sam sent me the thing yesterday. It was a uh, BuzzFeed unsolved, which I was kind of, I was kind of suspicious of him. I was like, Sam, you say you're a journalist, but you're talking about BuzzFeed. That's kind of suspicious. And he, he made the point that it was just covering mysterious cases. Eh, I think it's pretty interesting. There's a few uh, Cold War cases that I think are pretty fascinating. I don't remember the details, but there was a... I believe he was a Russian? Or he might have been Australian, but he washed up on some beach in Australia. And he was in a suit, suit jacket, everything. And he had a note in his pocket that cryptographers today still can't even decipher. And no one ever figured out this man's identity or anything. Even, like, they still investigate the case today. There's this whole, like, group of people that go around investigating it, and they just, like, try to find all these details, but they they hit dead ends at every turn. It's pretty fascinating. Um, oh, I'm recording off of the Zoom today, and I'm using the stereo mic, so if anything is pretty ASMR where you're hearing me in one side of your ear, or another, that's why. It's actually kind of interesting to know that I can do that, especially because when ASMR started, I think it started becoming popular in like 2014, the setups cost thousands of dollars. And now you can do something incredibly similar, if not as effective, for like $400 total. You can probably do it for even less than that. I would argue, especially if you had something set up like the mics, the two mics that we regularly use to record the podcast, where you kind of had like a mannequin head in between them, and you, mm, that might be a little bit off. This is probably the best, because it's almost, if I put this recorder up to my head, it's like almost as wide as my ears would be, almost. So... It kind of makes sense that I would be able to record like this or like this, maybe even like this, potentially, you know, if I really want to get on the side over here, I could do that. 
and I think it's pretty interesting that uh, it's so cheap to get into that, especially because of how popular some of the ASMR pages are, which I'm going to go off on that right now. Does anyone listen to that? I mean, I know people have to, especially because it's so popular, but like, who thought that was a good idea? I've listened to a ton of those videos and never once gotten any of the things they said that they were like tingling or like triggers or anything like it doesn't make sense to me which the whole uh, phenomena is it's not even scientifically supported it's just like this it's uh not a theory mm. it's just like socially accepted as this like fake scientific fact because as far as I know, there haven't been any scientific studies into it. I'm going to look it up right now. Scientific studies. No, not the scientific method. Studies into ASMR. And we'll Google loads here. Um, there's a place called ASMR University. University doesn't seem too credible. And then Smithsonian Magazine had an article about it last year that some scientists are starting to get into it. Oh, yeah, this is like the Flat Earth website. <laughs> ASMR University has been featured in Women's Health, The New York Times, The Atlantic, NBC News, Psychology Today, The Guardian. <laughs> um... Oh, so there's health benefits about it. Let's talk about the health benefits. Relaxation. Published research. Oh, there is published research. 2017, Janik McLaren, Miguel McGurlin, et al. 86% of participants watched ASMR videos to relax. That's a correlation causation thing. Like, no way. Okay. I'm going to go on YouTube and type in relaxing sounds videos. You're telling me that that's not going to, like, already prime me for wanting to be relaxed? Yeah, fuck off. Um, stress and anxiety. 11% of participants stated that they watch ASMR videos to reduce their anxiety. Coming from the same study, by the way. I mean, it's not really... Mm, some pain, chronic pain, fibromyalgia... 2015, Barat et al., 42% of participants with chronic pain believe that watching ASMR videos had an effect on their symptoms. That sounds a lot like the placebo effect. Now, I don't know. Okay, I just had to check the, the time there. The uh, microphone, I can't see the screen, the recording screen from where I'm looking at, where I'm looking at it from, so I had to turn it around and check it out, but... It also has stuff on autism. No published research there. Oh, yeah, you're going to tell me that ASMR helps schizophrenia. Okay, and microencephalopathy. I don't know. I need way more hard evidence there. Um, I definitely... I definitely see a lot of the placebo effect in that. Like, it really just strikes me. Especially with how powerful the placebo effect is. I know... There was some studies like, 
I listen to a podcast called Mysterious Universe. It's it's a I assume it's popular. They've been around for years. They were one of the original podcasts. I heard about them in 2000, 2007 or eight, I think, and they're still going. And excuse me, um, they had a lot of stuff about the placebo effect a, a while ago, like two two something years ago. And they were talking about how the participants in a study would be given sugar pills and they would be given the actual medicine and they had another group that was all sugar pills and the group that had the sugar pills are just only sugar pills even if it was supposed to be a actual drug had better results in some cases than the people who took the actual medicine so I have a feeling that ASMR really is placebo effect Um, I kind of burned myself out there. Oh, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Gi Jiu-Jitsu. I was watching into the tournament yesterday all day because I showed up like two hours early for the tournament and they pushed my match up ahead by another two hours. So I was waiting there for a while. But even though I compete in no Gi because I, it, you know, it's better for you know, competition in general, if I decided to transition to MMA or anything, I would have a lot easier time, and it was a lot similar to the wrestling I'd already done, so no gi seemed to be where it's at, but I kind of want to train a little bit of gi jiu-jitsu, because it looked kind of cool, like, one, I like the look of the gi, it's real, like, this goes back to my sense of fashion, the one thing I don't like about no gi jiu-jitsu is that everyone wears fight shorts and they all have spats under those fight shorts and they all have rash guards. And there needs to be more diversity in it. Like the geese, even though they all look similar, have a lot more designs on them that are sick. Like there's a bunch of designed rash guards, but there's very few people who do it like really well. And there's a very few designs that are legitimately appealing. Like there's a company, um, Hypnotic makes really cool jujitsu rash guard uh, bundles and sets. But then you'll get other ones by like Hyperfly. Actually, not even Hyperfly. Hyperfly has some cool ones, but more like Instagram brand ones that just look terrible. Like I saw one that was just the Backwoods Cigars, just the logo posted on a rash guard. Like, eh, fuck off. I don't really like that. Or you get like. In the gi, you'll get like limited edition designs that are unusual colors. Most of the time in jiu-jitsu, you'll get blue, like royal blue or white gis. And then you get limited edition ones by like Storm Kimonos or something, or even designed ones that are gray, yellow, purple. Like those are cool. There's a brand out there called Show Your Roll, which is like the supreme. It's like a streetwear type brand, but it's made for jiu-jitsu gis. And I think that's really cool. They had one that was designed like a Mars spacesuit. A mission suit type thing and it was cool the other reason why gi jiu-jitsu seems pretty interesting to me is one i like gi pants i wish i could wear them in uh oh shit i wish i could wear them in no gi tournaments because i skinned the fuck out of my knee yesterday I'm missing like a five by three patch of skin on my knee and um it adds a whole other dynamic like the thing that 
that you get a lot in Nogi that you don't get in Gi is the way you control wrists from what I was watching. In Nogi, it's much more like wrestling where you have to get collar ties and inside control to do anything. But in Gi, they were grabbing sleeves because the material is very much like a thick canvas cotton type uh, material. So they would grab sleeves and they would bring the arms out and they would control them with the sleeves, which gave them a lot better grip than you can get on a person with uh, no canvas on them. So that's kind of interesting to me, but I can't really be jumping around Gi to no Gi while I'm still trying to master one discipline. So that'll come with time, but it definitely is interesting to me to see that, that dichotomy, like no Gi jujitsu is much more dynamic, so much more than Gi because Gi is almost like watching. It's a slow game. There's more, like, it's almost kind of looked more like judo. It really did. Because there was a lot more time, especially in the heavyweight decision, of guys trying to set up throws and takedowns using the gi than trying to go with leg entries or uh, seated guards. It. For those of you who don't, like, understand, I, I apologize, but this is really fascinating me, so I just wanted to talk about it. Um, there's a huge difference in the way gi competition is and no gi and that fascinates me because you can get these guys like Hicks and Gracie's the greatest jiu-jitsu player of all time he was only gi because no gi didn't exist when he competed I mean he he did do valetudo which was basically MMA which he just fought in shorts but you would wonder right like who any of the competitors we have today, like, say, Gordon Ryan or Gary Tonin or Richie Martinez, any of them who are also incredible athletes, could they go against any of the greatest gi players or like John Jacques Machado, who my instructors learned from because their instructor, it's the whole lineage thing. But it's almost like this split in sports where, you know, you have rugby and football. How different would it be to see those two those two groups compete against each other? Because I don't think I've ever seen a gi competitor going against no gi. I mean, I, I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't seen it. Um, it's almost like it's something I'm going to see eventually. Because I know Gordon Ryan transitioned over to gi from after sweeping no gi. And um, he still transitions back and forth all the time. I mean, he, I think he was fighting. No, he didn't fight at Cosplay Pro 2. That was yesterday. Um, he's going to be involved in some event, but he signed a, He signed some deal. I don't know what it was, but I'm considering just recording one 30-minute episode and releasing it in the middle of the week instead of two this week. Hmm. Wonder if I should do that. Eh. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sign out here and then record the next one. Um, I'm probably going to be talking about a really similar, about something really similar. Um, oh yeah, that's what I'll talk about. All right. This is 
Trace Thompson, the lone host of Opinion Overload, signing out. I'll catch you on Thursday with the conclusion of the 41818 mystery that we covered a few weeks ago. And I'll see you then.